Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Now, hope you guys had a great holiday weekend. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Labor Day weekend. Orlando Franklin in the hizzy. In the his house. What's going on, dog? How was, how was your long weekend? 72 hours. Do anything fun? Do anything exciting? Went to a barbecue yesterday. Of course. Got to get the barbecue in, right? Mm, it was yummy, too. How many hot dogs? A couple of hot dogs. A couple hot dogs, had some fish, had some shrimp. Ooh, had, uh, had the barbecue. Some beef. The I mean, there was, uh, there was a Q lot. You had fish. On. Yeah. Typically. Two kinds of fish. It was like salmon and some other white fish. Nice. Yeah. Um, it was de- delicious. I also did a little uh, stand-up comedy. Ooh. So, a, do tell. I did what, a six-minute six set um, at my friend Paul Shirley's business. He has a... He has a an, uh, a comedy night every three or four months or whatever, and um, I was on the bill, so I had a, a six minute set in front of about fifty sixty people, and uh, it was okay. Like the first my, my first joke was a little like I just I rushed it a little bit. I came out and it's just hard, man, when you got fifty eyeballs on, on you. Oh you know, no, I bet you walk out there like I was really nervous going into it, but uh, I got some good laughs and there was some good crowd participation going on, and my wife was there to support me and. You know, she laughed at some of my jokes, so I don't know if she was really thinking they were funny or not. But no, it was really cool. It was, it's a it's it's a different kind of you know talking. Like we're we're here on the mic. Yeah. We got no eyes on us. Yeah, no, dude, you got a great sense of humor. I'm sure that you killed it. You I'm think sure that so? you're just in your head. Thanks, yeah. man. Um, I don't tend to laugh at your jokes a lot, but yeah, well, I do find them funny. Well, I'm just not the ha ah, the the laugh out loud type. I, well, I've just never been that. Like even when I find something hysterically funny, like I'll be laughing in my head. But does but you know, I got bad facial expressions, face, dog? You're like, <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's why I'm looking at you like I want to kick your ass. Basically, <laughs> tell me about your weekend. By the way, we're going to get into this enormous win by CU, 45-42 over TCU. Incredible victory. Caught everybody by surprise. Everybody but. Dion and that and that team over there, and we're going to get into that as we go along today. But oh, you you had a really exciting weekend because you broadcasted a game, Colgate versus Syracuse. You put on a suit, you flew across the country, you studied the names, you sat up there in the booth. Yeah, talk to us. How did it go? Um, it went great. Uh, definitely was nervous the whole entire time. It's the first time that I've ever called a game, and for me, I always get nervous when I don't know what's coming next. And it's a, it was a new situation behind the scenes and kind of seeing it. So, you know, this week I have FSU versus Southern Miss in Tallahassee. And we all saw what FSU did to, uh, LSU, the, uh, two nights ago. Uh, they might be the most physical team in, in all of college sports right now. So excited about that. But it, it was great. It, it was a nice step in, it was a nice stepping stone and, and can't wait to continue to do this. Uh, so get right back out there, quick turnaround. And then the following week, I got my Miami Hurricanes, Thursday night football, next Thursday. So, wow. you know, I get our my rival this week, and then I get back my Armour Modern next week. So super cool. Pretty exciting for you. So 
are you going to go back and, and watch it and listen to yourself? Do you have someone? I've already done it, yeah. yeah. I've already done it. Really can't really mess You're around like, with it. What are you saying, man? Like, uh, why'd you do that? No, not really. Um, you know, obviously, it's not going to be just clean the first time. Um, you know, for me, it was uh, just a lot of moving parts and how the replay's done. And we didn't have, like, our, like, production team. We used, like, a, the team from Syracuse. And so that kind of threw things off. But I always try to go back and re-watch TV. Whenever I do TV, don't really re-listen to radio. Right. Because, you know, after we're done, then you got Stokely and Zag, then we got to drive later on. There's always so much going on throughout the course of the day. But anytime I do do TV, I try to make a point to go back and re-watch it for sure. Well, looking forward to seeing how you develop, my man. And uh, really proud of you for, for taking that step. That's not easy. You know, that's that's a lot different than sitting behind here on the mics. But um, you get to sit back and relax for the next couple hours, chop it up about rivalry week. We got football on our doorstep with the Broncos, and we just got to see the CU Buffs basically shock the world. Mm. Um, they shocked everybody but but themselves. And, you know, first off, like, you, you watched the game, right? Okay. Yes, I watched the game. Of course I watched the game. I don't believe we coming, and we can't. You, you, you think I wasn't going to yeah. watch that game? Come on, dog. Of course I watched that game. I wanted to see what what CU was going to do. Right? I mean, I wanted to see if Dion was going to be able to back it. But I, I was more importantly watching how this football team came together. A lot of different guys at different programs last year. So I wanted to see if they could put it all together out there, put a product out there, a winning product out there on the field, and they definitely did that. They did. It was. I was so impressed by a lot of things that I saw in that forty-five, forty-two victory over TCU. And I think for me, man, just a. This is a very well coached team, and conventional wisdom, or at least like discerning minds, sports minds would think it's going to take some time to come together and figure out how to play as a unit, how to play smart football. You just threw these guys together, eighty transfer portal guys. How are you going to come together that fast? And how are you going to play clean football, smart football, sound football? Now, the defense has some stuff to work on. Obviously, the, the running game for TCU was very effective. But the offense for CU, incredibly efficient, incredibly detailed. And there was a point in, during the game where I looked at, you know, there was a graphic. It was like TCU, seven penalties for whatever, 45 yards. CU, zero penalties. Yeah, that was about seven. Um, that was about at eight minutes left in the second quarter. CU had got their first penalty with seven and a half minutes left in the second quarter. And and that just speaks to solid coaching. Deion Sanders, of course, he's brings a lot of energy. Of course, he was one of the best football players to ever live. But is he going to be able to oversee an operation that is efficient, that is sound, that is intelligent? And that the answer clearly already is yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I remember when I was watching the game, the exact same thing. I said, it's funny, like, I don't know when you watched the game. I watched the CU game yesterday mm -hmm. because I was busy doing my own thing and getting ready to call a game. But Spoiler alert. Did you check the score before that? Or are you like, don't tell me Oh, what no, no, no. Absolutely. I knew that CU had won before, like, as I was calling uh, Syracuse on Saturday. I knew that CU had, you know, upset TCU. Um, for me, uh, it's funny that you point out the penalties, right? Because for me, that tells a, a lot about a football team as well. 
CU was able to go out there, play together, a team that has not been together, but yet they were able to play fundamentally sound football. So hats off to Dion because he looks like, as of right now, he's knocked it out the park when it comes to that coaching staff and how he's been able to assemble teachers. And those teachers have been able to get the absolute best out of those kids. Now, is it sustainable? I think there's a lot of things that went on this past week that's not sustainable when it comes to CU football. But at the same time, it's nice to see, you know, a, a school that well, a year ago, a lot of coaches didn't want to go to CU because of just not being able to sell, not sign multiple year contracts. But yet they were able to get, you know, just great coaches from the top down and they were able to implement a game plan and go out there and shock the world. Shock the world. They're not sneaking up on anyone anymore now, though. They're going to probably be favorites at home against Nebraska. So how's CU going to respond to being favorites to now having all the eyeballs on them? Okay, balls in your court. And what's Sean Payton going to do in advance of this game against the Raiders? We're going to keep diving into these two football matchups next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. We do things that have never been done, and that makes people uncomfortable. When you see a, a confident black man sitting up and talking his talk, walking his walk, coaching 75% African-Americans in the locker room, that's kind of threatening. Oh, they don't like that. But guess what? We're going to consistently do what we do. Because I'm here, and ain't going nowhere. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. Ha <laughs> ha. About to get comfortable in a minute, says Coach Prime. 1-0 is the CU head coach. Um, incredible win. Couple days ago, 45 42 over the TCU Horned Frogs down there in Texas. Um, no one expected that. That was a 20, 20. 20.5 point spread that they, um, that they surpassed there. Offensively, I mean, they were just so impressive. Shador Sanders, let's start there. He was 38 of 47 for 510 yards, four touchdowns. Um, four different receivers went over 100 yards. They didn't rush for many yards, though. I mean, some of it was Shador Sanders getting sacked, but uh, only had 55 yards rushing there. Of course, the team's now going to be able to game plan against them. Of course, people now have film on them. Of course, they're going to know how to attack some of these guys. So it's not going to be as 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 easy, I don't think, for them um, offensively going forward. But what a flag-planting moment here. However, you know, th- there's this narrative going on, this, like, believer versus non-believer thing going on. Some people are being attacked for having not believed that this would happen so quickly. Um, Do you think that's fair? Do I think it's fair that people are being attacked? Do you think it's fair that people needed evidence that they were going to be good and didn't just believe flat out that it was going to be good? Um, Did you need evidence that they were? Yes, we all need evidence. Okay, that's where I was going. Yeah, it doesn't... Like, just because you put together a program or put together a squad, you go out there, you know, each and every day, every coach thinks that they're going to be able to turn a team from worst to first. Here in Colorado, we just went through the Nathaniel Hackett era. So excuse me if we're in show-me mode. Excuse me if we're not willing to say, oh, my goodness gracious, CU is going to go, you know, win eight or nine games and, you know, they're going to go to a big-time bowl game in year one. I think when you look at just college sports, there's so many different factors that happen. Heck, we didn't know who the defensive line was going to be for CU like three months ago. 
we were wondering about the offensive line. <laughs> if anybody, if, and in a sport where it's a, there's a lot of injuries that occur, you know, one guy gets hurt and that might, you know, derail your whole entire season and you might end up going in a different direction. So um, I don't think it's fair, the criticism of, you know, you didn't believe in all that. that that's the one thing that I don't like that's going on right now with Dion. I, I love the week coming. I love the videos. I love everything of sitting there and motivating guys and bringing in the Michael Irvins and the Warren Saps. I like all of that. But because somebody didn't believe, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, even this week, there are going to be people that are saying, okay, there's film out there. Look what you just said. Yeah. Right? So, um and now people are going to try to scheme up how to attack. And, and that's just how it is in the game of football. And, you know, you don't, God forbid there is an injury. Then what happens? We see this young man, Travis Hunter. He's a beast, right? Absolute <laughs> dominant. This yeah. kid played over 50 snaps and there was like eight minutes left in the second quarter. Like, I, I am worried about this kid's health and, and how he's going to be able to sustain this moving forward, yeah. too. Yeah. And when you look at a, a team like TCU, in my opinion, Nate, well, that team had a lot of moving parts as well. They they had eight new starters on that offense. Yeah, yeah. First game of the season. Uh, there's some teams you think are going to be good who aren't. There's some teams you think are going to be crappy who are good. So th- there's a lot going to shake out here in the next couple of weeks. But I I think that the whole keeping receipts thing, or at least the outward projection of it, seems a little petty to me. Um, it, ex- it use it as extra motivation for your team. Absolutely, these guys don't believe in us. These guys don't believe. They don't believe in you in this room, but we do. That's a tried and true sort of motivational tactic. But to attack people on the outside for having a dissenting view or skepticism that it would get turned around this fast seems a little bit petty to me. And um, I just, you haven't seen Shadora play at this level. Right. He, he was coming from HBCU. Like, yeah. come on. Like, that that's not something to sit there and be like, oh, my goodness gracious. How many times, how many times do we see quarterbacks in the NFL get drafted to the NFL and they end up becoming a bust? Paxton Lynch didn't even make it through his rookie contract. He spent three years here as a Denver Broncos quarterback. But yet every single year quarterbacks are drafted. Look at all these different quarterbacks that transfer out of schools. Look at a school like Clemson. Starting quarterback right now for Southern Mississippi. He was a Clemson transfer. Uh, DJ, I'm not even going to botch his last name, the starter last year. He's at Oregon State now this year, right? So you're seeing a ton of quarterbacks that can't make it one place go in a different direction. So when you have so much change to a program like CU has, there was going to be skepticism. Everybody wasn't going to jump on the bandwagon, especially if you live here in Colorado, because for the last seven years, you've just been watching how the Broncos have been trying to tell you, jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> jump on it. And you Sounds jump like on a, it, and then you you're right disappointed. <laughs> yeah, so... Sports requires evidence. It's one, you know, one of these things in this world where you can talk all you want, but you have to prove it on the field. CU did just prove it. And so now, now they have the attention. Now they have some believers coming around, whatever you want to call them. But I think the struggle for this coaching staff will be to make sure that this game is the first step and not the high point of the season, right? I mean, the messaging has to shift immediately to that's the first step and that's it. We can't, we can't bask in the, in the afterglow of a win like that, right? I mean, we got to get back to work and and make them forget about it as quickly as you can. Yeah, I mean, you enjoy it, right? And then you get in there on Sunday at the college level and you break down the film and you enjoy the win. But come Sunday night, your focus reshifts. And now it's all about Nebraska. And it's all about this rivalry. And they have film. And and now they're going to try to do things to take things away. And, you know, if you're... 
I, I, I cannot wait to see what happens this week specifically on the defensive end when you look at a guy like Travis Hunter. Now, Nebraska knows he's playing both ways. He know, They know he's playing 100-plus snaps. So what is now their game plan to try to get this young man tired, try to get this man to a point where he's not as effective on the game plan? I'll tell you what mine would be. If I was coaching Nebraska and I, and I saw Travis Hunter play 111 snaps or whatever he played, my message to my team is if, he, if Travis Hunter is playing 111 snaps, we're going to hit him 111 times. And I'm going to stick my goons on him. That's what I would do. You know, put my most physical guys out there and try to make him pay for every rep he takes. I like that. But what about also checking to go routes? Oh, you get out there, you're number yeah. 12. Right. Hey, hey let's, let's, go. Yeah. Just go. Right I just want to long... run this guy. Yeah. Yeah, just run him as much as possible. We know that. And we're not even looking <laughs> over there. Let's just run him. Yeah. Listen, we're going to cycle receivers in, just keep sprinting down the field, and then uh, and then attack him yeah. physically. And I think that's, you know, now there's a book out. Now There's a very sh- small book, but you're going to have to get – you're gonna to have to get to Travis Hunter. You're gonna to have to get to Shadur Sanders. Yeah, and and you know the, the CU did not establish their running game, and they weren't able to stop the run. That's really what it's gonna be. But the offensive line played pretty well and gave them a lot of time back there to throw the ball. The offensive line was a point of skepticism. A lot of folks thinking that they had the skill position players, but maybe not the trenches to to withstand you know top level D one football. What did you see from the O line? Um. Okay. Uh, and you kind of saw where they struggled that. You know, let's be honest. You know, Shador Sanders, he's a absolute monster. He understands the game. The game is slow for him. And he knows right where to go to football right now. But this offensive line, it's going to take some time to build that run game. I wasn't shocked not seeing this offensive line have success running the football. Now, can they continue to get better? After playing football games where your body is deteriorating and you are getting in these middle, these little car crashes, can you continue to develop these guys throughout the course of the season to develop that run game? And I think they, they will be able to because, man, the coaching is, is phenomenal out there right now in Boulder. Now, the, the, I, the, the thing is now, can you make the in-season adjustments after each and every game during each, after each and every quarter? Each and every halftime, can this coaching staff and these players make the necessary adjustments that it's going to take to have success and continue to win football games? And, and I think that's now the big question when you look at CU's football. Well, Dion said there's still still time to jump on the bandwagon. Here he is. These young men in there right now, they believe. Not all of them believed before. But right now, they came up one by one, twos by twos. Coach, we believe. Now they believe. Now Boulder believes. People in the front office, people people in the building, the fans, the students. Now everybody want to believe. I'm good with that. We got room. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So now your players believe, but you're mad at people for not believing that they're outside of the program. But but just after that win, some of your players had just started believing. Yeah. It's interesting, believe it, man. Believe in it. Believe in it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Either way, you look at it. Incredible performance by the CU Buffs. Bravo to them. Um, and we're going to be watching this week, Rivalry Week, Nebraska Horn, Corn, Horn Huskers. Corn Huskers <laughs> coming to town. Guys, it's also King Supers fan pick em time. Can you beat the fan hosts? Doubt it. The weekly winner gets $250 to King Supers, and the grand prize winner receives groceries for a year. Register now at denversports.com slash picks. All right. Um, yeah. 
See you. Prime is a proud coach and a proud father on Saturday, and uh, he had a lot of praise for a lot of players, including Travis Hunter and his son. We'll do that in the morning mixtape. Next. The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. See you with an enormous 45-42 win there. Against the TCU Horned Frogs. Coach Prime, not just the coach, a proud father on Saturday. Here's Prime talking about Shadur. Guys that singled themselves out when they're playing and they're playing ability. A lot of guys you doubt it. One of them from HBCU. I think he had uh, 510 yards passing in a Power 5 football game. And he happened to be my son. <laughs> and I'm proud of him. Tremendously. 510 yards through the air, 38 to 47. The precision, the calmness, the 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 the, the coolness in the pocket, you know, just surgically dissecting that defense. And they haven't only been they've been together for a couple of months here, man. How impressed were you with Shadur's performance in the pocket? Oh, very impressed. He looked like he had a great grasp on what TCU was doing defensively. Um, he wasn't keyed in or locked in or, or on anybody. He didn't make anybody his favorite target. He just looked at the defense, understood kind of the concept offensively as far as where guys were going to go and, and threw the ball where it should go. So just a great all-around grasp. And, you know, I'm excited to see where he takes this thing. Game one, week one, goes out there and shatters uh, CU's passing record. So th- this thing is going to be even more exciting as the season goes on. And Shadur's going to continue to get better and better and better. So super excited about this. And, you know, can we, Nate, when it's all said and done, Who's going to be the quarterback that here in Colorado that everybody's banging on the table for? Is is, <laughs> is Sidora Sanders going to be the more popular quarterback That's right. here in Colorado after this season? Already he is right now. Yeah, of course he is right now. But yeah. after this season, you know, I'm excited to see kind of what Colorado is going to think about the two quarterbacks here, the two big name quarterbacks here. Yeah, Shadur Sanders on pace for a 5,000-yard season. <laughs> Incredible. And four guys over 100 yards receiving, by the way. Dylan Edwards, 135. Travis Hunter, 119. Xavier Weaver, 118 yards. And Jimmy Horn Jr., 117 yards. Four guys over 100 yards. That's a special beginning. Congrats to Shadur. All right, here's Prime talking about another baller out there for the CU Buffs. Two-way player, Travis Hunter. Travis is him, like the young folks say. Travis is it. I, I really think, uh, you know, I always promote all my kids. I really think we got a couple guys that uh, should be front runners for the Heisman right now. I really, that's how I feel. And I want to promote my kids at all costs. We got a couple of them that, who did that? Who did what they did today? Hmm. He's got a point. Who did that? Nobody. Nobody in college football. The question is for you, Orlando, if you had to give the Heisman out after one game, who's getting it, Shadur or Travis Hunter? Wow. It's got to be Travis Hunter for me. I mean, that kid went out there and played offensively, defensively. It didn't matter. You know, the thing that most impressed me this past weekend was not 
you know, Travis Hunter's matchup on any T- TCU's offensive player is offensively. When Travis Hunter went out there against Josh Newton, one of the best corners in the country right now, in my opinion, a first-round pick after the, that's coming out after this year, a captain for TCU, and he just took it to him. He would not back down while playing both ways. You know, when you know Josh Newton goes and sits down because the offense is out there, Travis Hunter's on the field. <laughs> you know, right. playing defense. And and yet he's still able to go out there and give him some work out there while Josh Newton was out there on defense. So uh, for me, it would be the kid that played over 100 snaps, the kid that went both ways, the kid that had big play after big play offensively, but also game-changing plays defensively as well. That game-changing play, the one in question, the interception down there on the goal line, incredible recognition, athleticism, ball-hawking skills. He's very long. Um, his, his The way he attacks the football, you've, you hear me talk about that all the time. The way you attack the ball is going to determine whether you catch that thing, not how fast you are or whatever like that. His catch radius, and he's able to use it on defense and offense. It's incredible. He, he, got, just, he also got better, right? I mean, you're a receiver, Nate, and you tell me this. You saw him early in the game drop a ball on offense, that big, deep, long touchdown up, up the sideline, kind of going to the ground and not being able yeah. to hold on to it. Yep, yep. But when the game's on the line, it's basically kind of the same exact thing where you got to lay out and you're going to fall and he's yet able to showcase those strong hands and complete the catch for a big-time win. Absolutely love it. All right, Shadur Sanders. He's ready for the spotlight. He's unfazed. Here's Shadur. Everybody on the field ain't going first round. A lot of people on the field may not get drafted. So don't let people fear names. I don't fear names because I really don't care. But that's the biggest thing. When you fear names and, and you let, that's half the battle. You already losing. Dang, we playing TCU. I respect the university. I respect everything about them. But personally, I just never cared about names. You got to love it. He's not phased. He's not intimidated. Obviously, a product of his upbringing, and um, you know, from the from the gig. So we, we've been critical of uh, of you know Russ when he's like, I don't get nervous. Mm. I run into the fire. You know, like uh, I don't need, I don't, I, I don't get jet lag. Yeah. But but here Shadour oh, basically saying the same thing. But he proved it, right? He proved it on day one. When Shadour is talking, I'm like, look at baby Dion go. He sounds exactly like his father. He sounds exactly like prime time, right? So what 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 were you going to expect? Um. But also, we know that the college level is a lot easier than the National Football League level. You know, Shadura probably saw four blitzes all game against TC. That's what I was going to talk about, blitzing. They're going to come, they're going to, you know, develop some more robust blitz packages for these guys. Yeah. Like in the NFL, you see four blitzes in four different plays. Yeah. Like, so you have to be on it, right? So when teams look at now what Shadura just accomplished 500 plus yards, four wide receivers over, over 100 yards. Teams are going to now start dialing it up, and it's going to be play after play, and they're going to really test his football acumen and see if he could be right every single time and try to force him into a critical error. But that's up to this coaching staff now with their preparation and making sure that he has an outlet on each and every play. It's going to be exciting to watch, but I didn't expect anything less from this young man based on who his father is and how his father has approached the whole entire offseason. I think that's what's most impressive for me because we all know that Dion is a superhero, right? As a player, he was a superhero. But the whole like believe versus non-believe thing is about believing that he can turn the people he leads into superheroes. And he did that 
on Saturday. Like those guys played like superheroes, right? He he made them believe that they're superheroes. And I think if Dion can translate that superpower of his onto others, then he'll be a thousand times more powerful than he ever was as an athlete. Absolutely. He'll have an everlasting effect, impact, you know, a lot of kids. You don't think that there are kids right now. I'm I'm excited to see just this over the next two weeks what happens for CU for the next recruiting class. I anticipate they're going to have some commitment saying, yeah, we coming. I'm definitely coming. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So um, and as a coach, that's the coolest thing, being able to have a direct impact and mold a, a young person's life. And when you see that light bulb go off on their head, whether it's them believing or a technique or them getting the, grasping something on the football field, it's the most amazing feeling as a coach. It, that's what gives you that fulfillment, in my opinion. And imagine it's your son back there dealing 510 yards through the air. Awesome job, Shadur Sanders. There we go. All right, Sean Payton shifting gears to the Denver Broncos. Professional football. Well, I guess college football is professional football in its own way. But the Denver Broncos playing the Raiders this week, and Sean Payton doesn't believe in rivalries, apparently. Yeah, we look at them as divisional games. I, I think of rivalries in college football and then arch rivalries. You know, I was asked that question a lot relative to Atlanta, New Orleans. I mean, look, divisional games are important. First goal is to look, find a way to win your division. You play your divisional opponents twice. I can't speak for rivalries. I, I don't, you know, the... I just think that exists a little bit more in the collegiate game, and I think it's. I think division games are are important. Yes. What do you make of Sean Payton's comments? Is he uh, is he missing the opportunity to stoke some fire, or is he afraid that he's going to lose, and so he wants to, you know, not make it a big deal if he does? I think Sean Payton doesn't have a really good grasp of this city yet. I understand everything that he's saying. Heck, you know, when I was at the University of Miami, our rival was FSU, right? And then you hate Florida as well. Any team in Florida is kind of a rival, but the main rivalry is FSU. But when you come here to Denver, this fan base lets you know that the rival is against the Raiders, that we don't like them, and we're never going to like them. (laughs) So I learned that at a very young age really fast. I, I think, you know, with Sean Payton, it's been all about football. It's all about keeping his head down, trying to put together the best 53 guys out there on that football field for the Denver Broncos. But this fan base is going to help him kind of usher along and, and help him see that this is a rivalry. With the Saints, Atlanta, yeah, that's not a rivalry. That, that fan base and with New Orleans, the history, it, it's not really there like the history is here. So I hear Sean Payton saying this right now, but I think that, you know, as the season goes along, I think he might change his tune, when it, especially when it just refers to the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going to know on Sunday when he goes there, when he sees the atmosphere there, and he hears all those Raider fans. The Raider fans really do come to the game here in Empower Field, and they're very emboldened, as they should be, because they've won the last six straight, I believe, against the Broncos. But when the Raiders score, you know, a touchdown, if the Raiders score... If the Raiders score a touchdown, those fans, man, those Raider fans, they they like to stand up and yeah. um, make a big deal about it. You're going to hear it, Sean Payton. You're going to hear it, and you're going to know what this rivalry really is <laughs> a week from today. All right. Um, well, Sean Payton's chance to plant his flag in the AFC West is right around the corner. Are the Broncos ready? Who has the advantage? That's next. Admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. 
Welcome back to the Players Club. It's Rivalry Week. Well, everyone else thinks it's a rivalry. Sean Payton does not. It's just a divisional game to Sean Payton, which is important because you have to um, win your division and then you get a home playoff game. Yeah, Shanahan, Mike Shanahan used to say the same thing. That was our goal. Main goal every year was to win our division. Then you get a home playoff game, and when that happens, shoot, you're on your trajectory. Um, we're going to get into that in a second. I, I just got this Gatorade, um, Orlando, from the, uh, the snack machine, and I used dollars. Um, so I put the dollars in, and you, you remember back in the day when you were like had these dollars, and you had to try to straighten them out, flatten them out to get them in the machine, and you'd spend a lot of time doing it, Yeah. and uh, you couldn't get it done. There's There was this Coke machine I just was reminded of this story. When I was a swimmer, I was a competitive swimmer, year-round swimmer as a kid, and we practiced at this high school called Gunderson High School in San Jose. There was a Coke machine with the wires busted out like they were coming out of the Coke machine. And these kids were saying, if you touch those two wires together right there, something happens. There's a big spark. Mm. And I'm like, no way, no way. And so we're, we go and we practice. And in the water the whole time, I'm thinking about this Coke machine. I'm like, I want to... I want to try it. I want to try it, right? Yeah. So after practice, we're all, you know, standing around in the showers because all these swimmers would just stand in the showers. You know, we're still in our swimsuits and we're showering. And I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that because I really want to see what it's like. So I'm soaking wet. <laughs> oh, and I go up to this Coke machine and I take these two wires and I put them together. <laughs> Shot me back about 10 feet. Really? Yep. Like lost uh, up in the air. Like, I don't really like know. Just... It was like. <laughs> Have you ever been electrocuted? Yeah, my my dumb self uh, stuck a key in a socket when I was uh, <laughs> younger. Lost uh, lost my house keys, but somehow had the mailbox key. Like so, like the keys like came apart on the ring, and I was just sitting in the hallway waiting for my mom to get home and started messing around with this key in um, the socket. I was about like seven eight years old, and yeah, definitely got a good little shock, but didn't like. Like just got like shocked. Okay, like, this is it. Let go, yeah, right? Yeah. Yours sounds a lot worse because I got rattled, man. Yeah, you got shot back a couple. What did you say about ten feet? I don't know, man. It felt like it. Yeah. I, was, I was soaking wet. Wow, you know, it's it's a bad idea. What's the stupidest thing you ever did as a kid that didn't kill you? Three zero three seven one three one zero four three. All right, the Denver Broncos hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm intrigued with some of these matchups going on. Of course, Josh McDaniels, the head coach. Um, for the Raiders, Sean Payton versus Josh McDaniels. Mason Crosby first versus the Broncos offensive line. Broncos D versus Josh Jacobs. Pat Sertan versus Devontae Adams. What's kind of, you know, tickling your mustache ahead of this um, ahead of this game? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Um, I'll tell you right now. It's Mike McGlinchey. Broncos paid you a lot of money. Paid you a lot of money because of Max Crosby's in this division, and he's been wrecking havoc. He's been somewhat the Broncos' killer the last couple years. So it's going to be Mike McGlinchey on Max Crosby for me. Have they found a guy that could, you know, handle that matchup that doesn't need one-on-ones where now you could start looking at helping other guys out on that offensive line? So for me, that's one of the matchups that stick out very much, in my opinion. Obviously, you know, you want to see other things happen, but for me, that's the first one. So, a guy like Max Crosby, if you were if you were playing against him this week, how would you face that matchup? How would you attack a player like that? Oh, man. Anytime the protection is slid to me, I'm going to wire him up on the line of scrimmage. I'm, I'm being as violent as possible on set HUD. It's almost like I'm trying to choke him out because I know I got Quinn Miners in my hip pocket. 
I'm daring him to go inside, and I'm expecting Quinn Miners to take his head off if he goes inside. My guard has to make sure that he knocks him out and absolutely just flat backs him the first time he decides to spin or tries to rip inside to make sure that Max Crosby no longer will go inside. You know, that was the one thing, like when I played guard, I was waiting on those defensive ends. Come on, spin inside, spin inside on the slide protection. And I would hold on to, the, to that nose tackle and just sit there and try to like view that inside linebacker and kind of dare the defensive end to spin inside. But as soon as he did, I was going to take him out. And I was going to make sure now that my tackle appreciated me because that guy wasn't going to come back inside for the rest of the game. So for me, it's any time that protection's going towards me, I want to be as violent as possible. Um, you know, I'm going to call, tell the coaches that let me get a chip early in the game. With a chip, I'm going to try to get on you as fast as possible as well and try to expose those ribs so the wide running back could come and get those ribs. When you say chip, what do you mean? Like Doritos, Fritos? What do you mean chip? Uh, Doritos, Fritos, all that, Lay's, whatever you want. We throw some popcorn in there as well. But uh, chip is just running back coming. Coming out the backfield, give him a and, little, uh, a little just flipper or whatever. A, yeah, a little flipper, a little shoulder pad. Um, no, Sean sometimes would come and just take the whole block, right? <laughs> you know, they they talk about pizza in the offensive line room, right? You can't eat all the pizza. You got to save some of the pizza for your teammates. Oh, so that's giving some of that man, giving right. up some of his body, not you know just kind of attacking him and engulfing him where none of his body's hanging from on on the outside. Mm. You know, kind of just playing that guy from the inside out and just taking up half of that block where now that running back could come and just get, you know, just a nice little elbow, a little shot in the ribs on the way out in that route. But just letting them know they could come from anywhere. So it could come from the guard on the inside of me or it could come from a tight end on the outside. It could come from a running back on the outside. We want to get those looks early so at that point now, because it's a game within a game, even when you're playing offensive line versus a defensive lineman, it's still a little mini game that you're playing against that guy that you're going up against. And so when you do, there is an art to the chip, like you're talking about there. Like, it, has this happened to you where no Sean or whatever takes too much of the player and knocks him off of your block, and now all of a sudden he's he's free? Um, it's happened once in a game, but for the most part, you kind of get a good feeling in uh training camp and preseason games. That's why it was always important for the starters to play preseason games. You get a really good idea of what each and every running back was going to do. Like, no Sean Marino, Willis McGee, oh, those guys were physical. They were, if, if it was a play and you were on the backside and they were going to chip that defensive end, you got to back up because <clears throat> that chip, that guy could go anywhere, anywhere after. They could, like, hit him five yards inside and now you're chasing him. But if you had like a Mane Ball or a Rodney Hillman, you know, RIP to Rodney, it wasn't going to be necessarily the most physical, so you could kind of engage that block a little bit more. So it's really just understanding your personnel and what you're going to get from each and every individual. But, yeah, that has happened where running back comes and just crushes the defensive end, and and now I'm like running after this defensive end like I'm a defensive, defensive player or something like that, yeah. Well, Max Crosby's coming for Russell Wilson, and and the Broncos know that, so they're going to develop a plan to try to protect Russell from Max, who is one of the most dynamic pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, I was just telling you guys about my story when I pushed those um, pushed those wires together and nearly nearly electrocuted myself. Someone on the RamosLaw.com text line letting me know that it's not electrocuted unless you die, actually. 
It's just uh, getting shocked. So that's a fun fact. But um, someone's saying, um, one time I burned down a porta potty and got caught. <laughs> said it was a really crappy situation. Oh yeah, dad joke, dad joke, not mine. Bada boom. <laughs> Someone saying when I was like nine, I found a coyote skull inside the old hog pen while opening the gate. I touched my elbow to the hog fence, knocked me back about ten feet. Couldn't feel my arm for a couple days. I still hate working with electricity. That's from Marty in Westy. Um, someone saying fourth grade running from the cops on my KX sixty. That wasn't supposed to be on. Uh, what's, what's a KS60? I don't, what is a KX60? Huh. And is this game against the Raiders a must win? <laughs> must win. Is it? Yes or no? That's next.